The scripture says that when we prepare to come to communion, that we're to examine our hearts. And um, this is one of the only places Paul warns about the ramifications of, of our hearts, our attitudes, and, and, and challenges us to examine our hearts and to see what's off kilter in us. And this morning when I was doing a little of that before I came, I, I found at least six places this week where I was off. And uh, where either my head was in the wrong place or my heart was in the wrong place or my mouth was in the wrong place or I, I should have acted when I didn't act. I mean, it, it doesn't take very long if you start looking at your life to discover you're a mess. And um, the beautiful thing about coming to God is not that we have to come with all our best, but that we just come as we are. And... Um, the, the beautiful thing is that it's a safe place because Jesus entered our brokenness. And when he dies on Calvary, he takes on the worst about us. And really, the scripture says, becomes sin for us, our sin. And so we have the safety of being able to come to God and not try to think through, you know, just feeling horrible about ourselves but, or, or, or feeling like we deserve judgment even though we do but recognizing he takes all of that so that we can come in our brokenness and dedicate ourselves again. And that's really what this moment is about. It's about recognizing that he was broken so we can be whole. And so this morning we come with all that we are, our, uh, the, 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 the remnants of guilt or our sickness, our sense of being displaced, whatever is going on in your heart. And we bring him what we have. I, the scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And sometimes my heart and my mind and my strength are so spent in so many areas, I have just a tiny itty bitty bit of heart and mind and strength. But what I found out is if you bring him whatever you've got, even if, it's, even if the rest, most of you is distracted, just bring him what you have, what you can rally to bring to him. And somehow he starts from there and builds things in your heart new. You, you, you come as you are, broken, however you are, and he meets us there. So let's, in preparation to receive this morning, let's pray that great prayer he taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, the night that you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it and you said, this is my body. And then when you took the cup, you gave thanks and you said, this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and the everlasting covenant. And you said that we were to do this, making present your sacrifice, to remember, to make it present. And Lord, we come and we bring these elements to you and we ask you that you'll receive them from our hearts as gifts and that you will make for them, make of them for us, the body and the blood of Jesus. That in your words, Jesus, that they will become for us eternal life. Help us receive this morning. We ask in the name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to encourage you to exit your rows, come to the front in your areas, and um, partake of the body and the blood of Christ. Come and receive eternal life.
Thank you. God, the things we keep secret and hide from everyone else, God. The uh, shame we carry around. God, you know. the deepest parts of our heart, the corners that are wicked and selfish. And what you choose to do amazes me. The way you respond to our disobedience and it amazes me. Thank you for your mercy. 
we thank you that you are a faithful father who takes care of his children and welcomes them home. God, if we've forgotten your goodness, help us to remember. Help us to remember your arms that welcome us home. You are faithful and true. Amen. It's great to be with you guys today. Turn to one another and greet each other with grace and peace. Scripture says, unless the Lord builds the house, that they labor in vain who try to build it. And uh, we are, you know, <laughs> as we are marching into this new season, these two communities coming together, on some level, I want you to know that your leaders feel pretty helpless. Um, <laughs> we are painfully aware of the fact that one community met over in Tulsa and people in one community didn't choose to come over when that leader was leading and the same vice versa and now we've sort of forced ourselves upon thee <laughs> and uh, you know we definitely feel and have felt God's hand in directing this but it has not escaped us the fact that <laughs> you know it's like going to Thanksgiving dinner when I was uh, after been married for a few years and all of a sudden new in-laws were coming into the family and then we come together for Thanksgiving dinner and somebody did the stuffing in a way that I had not imagined. <laughs> and it really kind of threw me. And I would pull sidebar with Gail and say, how come you didn't do the dressing? I'd rather have eaten at home. And uh, <laughs> there's a bit of that that has to happen in our context when we move your cheese around and uh, change things up. But I want you to really just continue to ask us to trust us and uh, to give this time for us to work out the awkwardness of getting in the same room together and the different styles. I mean, even us together, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't know, can, we, can I stand here? Can I sit here? <laughs> it's a little awkward trying to figure out how we're supposed to act in our context. So it's just, we're figuring this out. I say, well, what does that mean? Aren't you, hasn't the Lord shown you everything? No. <laughs> we have this sense, you know, to follow the yellow brick road, and we are. So scarecrows and tin men just show up, right? Praise the Lord. Flying monkeys. Go ahead and prepare your offerings. I just want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for your faithfulness. You know, sometimes when people get thrown on their back foot, one of the first things that they do is, you know, get cautious about their giving. And I just want to say thank you for those of you that are consistent with us and are giving. There are envelopes behind your, in front of you in the chairs. If you're writing out checks, write them up to Sanctuary. Fill those out. And... Uh, uh, thank you so much again for being a, a part of this. You know, I was thinking of one of my favorite shows is Blue Bloods. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a cop show with Tom Selleck. And one of the things they do every week is they have 
dinner together. It's their Sunday dinner, and they come together, and sometimes it's just casual conversation. Sometimes they're arguing. Sometimes they're silent and boring, and, but they always come together. And over time, as we keep coming together for our time together, you watch what God does. And so thank you for being committed and faithful in the context and standing with us. Uh, there's cool things that are happening. Merging the two communities does have an amazing upside. There's a whole bunch of more stuff to do and uh, ways that we're serving. So take advantage of looking at your, vid at your uh, bulletin, and there's a bunch of stuff in there. And uh, so pay attention to that and jump into whatever suits your fancy. Let's go ahead and pray over that offering. Father, we are so grateful for your mercy and so grateful for your kindness and so grateful for your people. And as we sort of navigate into the future in 2012 and all that's happening, God, we just ask you to uh, give us a sense of confidence that we can rely upon you and be okay and know that all things are well in the midst of uh, merging, in the midst of earthquakes, in the midst of everything we're walking through. God, we trust you. We thank you because we know this, you are building your house and we rest in that and we're trusting in that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Go ahead and come forward and begin to pass those out. I'm gonna ask the, uh, Brent and Janice to come on up and they're sharing with us this morning, but let's stand together while they're doing that and let's declare our faith together. This ancient creed, so simple. You know, there's a lot of stuff I mean, believers all through history have made this, uh, for centuries, have made this declaration. It doesn't resolve all the issues that have to be resolved in our context, you know, in terms of different churches, the way they see things, but it's such a simple declaration that we can all rally behind. Let's say it together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe we in, in Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, his only, only son, son, our Lord, who for us and for our, our salvation, salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Great thing to believe. Amen, amen, amen. Wonderful. Good, good. Um, our series that we've been doing here is called United, and uh, the word united actually means combined, harmonious, joint action, go in the same direction. We really do believe that this is a good thing. We really believe that this has a prophetic element to it, that this speaks of the, the nature of God and His kingdom, of the unity of the Spirit, of bringing the body together, and that's why we're excited about it. That's why we jumped off into this adventure and uh, encouraging you to go along and let, uh, let God show Himself in the midst of this. But we're excited about this. Psalms 133.1 says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. This is a very good thing that's happening, that God is orchestrating, that he's nudging forward. 
Um, the challenge is, as Ed mentioned last time, that we humans tend to like to separate ourselves because of our uniqueness and kind of push those people over there because we're a little different and, and uh, kind of distinguish ourselves based on those differences. The church has been doing this since the beginning of time. Whose camp are you in? Are you of this person or that person or, or uh, you know, do you follow this or that? And, and uh, so this is something that's been going on for a long time, this idea of this defining ourselves into different camps. Yet it's absolutely the opposite of what the nature of God is. God is about bringing together. He's about bringing people into the family and connecting and unifying. And, and so we've got this kind of tendency, this human tendency to push away, and yet God's nudging us back together. So something can be exactly what God wants, exactly in his heart, but be very difficult to pull off. I oftentimes say that God has these great and wonderful plans, but sometimes we humans just can't do it. We just can't pull it off. We believe that it's possible to pull it off in this context. We believe that what God is, is nudging us towards actually can't happen, or we wouldn't have done this. We wouldn't have stepped into this. But it's not, it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. I believe Jesus knew that when he prayed that very special prayer in John 17, and it says, May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. So this idea of unity, we believe, is essential. It's essential in God's heart for this unity to happen. As a matter of fact, it's one of the keys that shows the world that we're about him, that we're initiated by his spirit, is this sense of unity. And yet, something in us pushes against that. It also says, brought to complete unity. So Jesus knew that this wasn't going to be the easiest thing. There's something that suggests that you have to do something with this. You have to do something to make this happen. If we just left up to our natural devices, we will kind of separate and push apart. And so we are brought to this. It's something that, that there's something that we have to do dynamically to make this happen. Ephesians 4.1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. It suggests that this needs to be a high priority, that we put energy into this, that we do something to make this happen. So why is this such a struggle for us? As we've been sharing with you, most of us believe at a certain point in our life, and that could be 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years old, whatever it is, that we pretty much got it figured out, don't we? That we just know how the world works, and the way that we see the world is the correct one. And we're pretty convinced of that. Now, if you think the same, then you're an incredibly brilliant person. And I really, really like you. And I would love to hang out with you. But the moment you think different... I know I'm right, you're different, therefore, well, you must be wrong, and I need to help you. I've been commissioned by the Holy Spirit to help you, to bring you into understanding here, right? I mean, how many could honestly say that that's kind of how we operate? Three of you are honest this morning. <laughs> There's something about us that just sees the world that way, and so 
Um, what, do we, what do we do about that? How do we, how do we make this thing happen? I um, um, was raised in the Baptist church in Indiana. And uh, how I was raised, and I still remember the basement of our Baptist church when a lady by the name of Augusta Hartung, who was a missionary to uh, Africa at the time, and uh, I remember her kind of, I remember her flannel boards. Anybody remember flannel boards? And remember the stories about the scripture, and I just knew that we Baptists had it figured out. Um, and as a young teenager, I still remember we had to go by the Methodist church to get to church. And I still remember the attitude I had driving by the Methodist church. It was like, bless their heart. Sprinkling? You've got to be kidding me. Where did they come up with that? We do it the right way. I mean, Baptist, it means, you know, you be- what do you mean Sprinkle. It didn't even cross my mind that they might have good reasons for that. That the Wesleys might have had some perspective on that. Well, as a 13-year-old, I knew we Baptists were right. And so there's something in my heart that just disconnected from all the Methodists in Indianapolis, Indiana at the time. Um, They were on the wrong side of the tracks. And it's just so easy for us to get into this sense of camps and and we do it right, and they don't do it quite right, and it just pulls us apart. As marriage counselors, we tell people every day, the greatest potential for strength in your relationship is your differences. God puts you together with someone incredibly different for a reason. We complement each other. It helps us to grow and to have more as a couple than we would have individually, but it also challenges some things within us and helps us grow in certain areas. I have become much neater over the last 30-some years. Mm-hmm. I'll never be with him, but I have become a lot neater. But what we find is in all of our relationships, our differences are the source of almost all our conflicts, whether it's in our marriage, our work, church, wherever we are, those differences, while absolutely wonderful, are also the source of our conflicts. And so we have to know what to do with those. We've had a privilege over the last 20 years of traveling to churches all over the United States and going to all different denominations. And one of the things that we've noticed as we've worked with couples in the churches and also in counseling is every couple is different. No two couples are exactly like the other couple. We all have our own strengths. We all have the things that we add to the world. We are individuals in all that we do. And so the other thing that we noticed or recognized about uh, in, in our travels, we've had this real privilege of going into all kinds of denominations. And, and so we've just really had this cool um, sense of the body of Christ. There's something about being counselors and marriage and family folks that you come into a church. People aren't too worried about your theology, you know, on how you do communion in your church or whatever, you know. Uh, they knew we were Christian, but we were really invited into all kinds of backgrounds. And, and uh, because of that, we just saw pieces and parts of the body of Christ that we had never experienced before. And it's really been a phenomenal thing. As a matter of fact, the other day we sat down and, and just wrote out all the different denominations that we have had a chance to, to do marriage seminars in. And we, we've been in Baptist Church and Methodist Church, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Lutheran. Uh, Pentecostal Holiness, Catholic, Presbyterian, Christian, Church of Christ, Missionary Baptist, Quaker, Church of God, 
Assemblies of God, Mennonite, Nazarene, and a whole bunch of independent churches. Um, and so for 20 years, we've had this opportunity to go in and just observe. And every one of them, the, the cool thing has been that every one of them, we have seen, we've had a little bit of an aha moment of, wow, there's something that they bring to the body that I've never experienced before. That they were, they had a kind of bent or a certain flavor about them that was really beautiful. And we felt like we had really missed out. I, or, I missed, uh, missed out. Um, I, as I said, was raised in the Baptist church in Indiana. Um, Janice was raised in the Methodist church in Kansas. And then we ended up at ORU. Now, figure, figure, figure that one out. That was a God deal, okay? And so then we were inundated into that expression and, and uh, worked in a church for 17 years that was kind of out of that expression. And then 12 years ago, we started um, a church um, called the Life Connection. And then a few months ago, <laughs> we now are sanctuary and blended our lives. And so, so even though we've had a little bit of variety, there's a lot that we feel like we've missed out on because it's not been um, our background. It's not been what we've been used to. And I just long for us to really be able to experience all of those different things. I don't know how all that's going to work, but there's something about this sense of openness that I believe that God wants us to have when we integrate with our neighbors, um, our coworkers, those people across, across the street um, that uh, are from a different expression. And the interesting thing that I have noticed, because all of these come under the banner of Orthodox Christianity, okay? None of those denominations that I've shared with you are some weird tangent. You know, this isn't some extreme, strange kind of thing. But in my, in my experience, a good 95% of everything that we believe, that's why we do the creed every Sunday, is to remind us of that 95% that all of these people believe. If we went over that creed with every one of those folks from all of those backgrounds, they would all say, I believe that. I agree with that. But boy, that 5% will get us, won't it? <laughs> now, how do you do communion? You do it every week? Did you hear that church has wine? Um, <laughs> they're, they're really out there. Um, they do, do, do Sunday school, and I still remember in one of the business meetings in my church growing up, I remember the argument that went on in a business meeting about whether they were going to have Sunday school between the services or Sunday school before the first service. It was like, you've got to be kidding me, you know? So it's about to split the church, you know? And so it's those 5% that, that, that just seem to trip us up and keep us uh, somehow disconnected. But we do kind of have that attitude, don't we? Of, well, I really know the way to do things because this is how I've done them. I remember when I started in counseling almost 30 years ago, I would look at the intake sheet, and, you know, I had just come out of ORU, and we were in a very charismatic church at the time, and I'd look at the intake sheet, and I would see um, what their denomination was. And so some of them I'd go, oh, you know, that's nice. You know, they're Christians. It's too bad. They don't experience what we do. I'm, I'm honest. That's many years ago. But, but what I found out over the years was, as I said, and I worked with couples, it's like, oh, my gosh, you have so much from your background that I never got. I began to see some denominations where they were so grounded in the word, and they had done so much scripture memory. It was amazing. 
I saw other ones that were really committed to doing the work of the church. They spent so much time involved in outreach. And it impressed me as I saw the different denominations and the things that everybody brought. And I actually found myself going, ooh, I wish I'd had a little more of that. Oh, I wish I'd had a little more of that. Because there's so many good things that come from each of the different denominations. So we took a look at some of the benefits. Brent and I looked at some of the benefits that we see that have come from the different denominations. The Baptists, we saw were Word Center, Evangelical, and they have Sunday School. The Methodist, methods, disciplines of the faith, and holiness. Presbyterians, the sovereignty of God. Charismatic Pentecostal, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the idea of revival. Church of Christ, the importance of baptism. Anglican Episcopal, social justice issues in the world. Roman Catholic, the sacraments, the incarnation of Jesus. Eastern Orthodox, anticipation of heaven, focus on the resurrection. Quaker, contemplation and silence. Mennonite, simplicity. Nazarene, they make disciples. Christian Church of the Disciples of Christ, unity among Christians. Most of us have missed out on some of the benefits that come from these different denominations because we have been in our particular way. And so as a part of our services, we want to bring in some of these wonderful benefits from the other denominations so that we can grow in all areas in our relationship with the Lord. That's why we sing together. You know, for some of you, the times that we sing is the most important time of the service. You just go, you know, do we really have to have preaching or anything else? Could we just <laughs> sing the whole time? Some of you, singing is just not that important. We take communion together every week. And some people would say, well, doesn't that kind of get repetitious? And don't you, like, kind of lose the meaning of it? But we have others that go, I need to have that as a part of my worship service. And we have others that go, this is a discipline that I want because I want to be reminded of what Christ did for me every single week. We do the creeds. We talk about, um, or we use the Lord's Prayer. We take an offering because we want to give into the kingdom and the work that God is doing. It's part of what we do. We preach. We teach. We pray. And sometimes, believe it or not, we have people that say, could we just not have any singing at all? Could we just, do, just go directly to the word? We all have a variety of different things. But as we experience all of these together... We grow in our relationship with the Lord. We get something different because we're unique people. We get something different out of different parts of the service. But it allows us to grow in our relationship with him. All of these are important in our relationship with the Lord. I loved the time of silence with Ben. You know, sometimes that makes people uncomfortable in their silence. And yet that's such a great time for the Holy Spirit to be speaking to you and to really reflect on some of the things that he's doing in your life. All of these things have benefit for us. But as humans, we tend to push against certain things. If I'm not used to doing this, I just don't know that it's such a great idea. But what I've found over the years is a lot of times the thing that I'm pushing against is the very thing that God wants to work in in my life. I'm resisting it because I don't want to change. You know, sometimes it's hard to be molded into the image of Christ. And so we find ourselves kind of fighting against that. 
So I would encourage you, as you go through the services and some of the things that we're doing, if you find yourself kind of bumping up against something that your lip starts to curl a little bit, <laughs> and you go, yeah, I don't know if I like that. Instead of being critical, let's work towards going, Lord, what do you want to do in my life through this? What are you trying to show me? I have never done this before. What are you trying to show me in this? And how can I grow to be more like you in the midst of this? I, I think of it kind of like working out. You know, when I go to the gym and work out, I like to work out the muscles that are strong. <laughs> I, it, you know, when you look better with everybody around, when, you know, you can do a lot of squats. Um, but I've, I've always run and I've always done stairs. And so those are the muscles that I like to work out because it's easier and because I'm good at it. But I found over the years, especially as I've aged, that you have to work out some of the other muscles as well. <laughs> but I don't want to do those because I literally fell on my face doing push-ups at the gym, literally. Um, and so I don't like that because it hurts, because it's harder, because it's not my strength. But I found over the years, if we don't balance out and have some variety, the whole is not going to be healthy. We've got to pull together some of these other things that may not be as comfortable for us so that we can be healthy and strong and we can bring the kingdom of God to the world that's there. One of the things that pushed against me early in our marriage was how we kind of kept house. Um, I was raised... Um, I was way too neat for him. It was just, just hard. Just, I couldn't handle it. Um, I, was, uh, I was raised by an army colonel and... Uh, my personality is kind of bent that direction anyway. I mean, I could kind of tend towards neat, being a neat nut anyway and kind of organizations and systems. But, yeah, amen. Uh, but my dad, my wonderful dad, um, who was a colonel, kind of sent that into hyperdrive. Okay, I was telling the man yesterday that uh, you could eat off of his garage floor. Literally. Um, and so the, um, I still remember him, you know, showing us how to make a bed and flipping a coin on it and seeing if it bounced, you know, and I was 10. And, um, and so I just was raised like, this is obviously, it, it was natural for me, this is obviously the way that humans should live. And um, then I married this woman who liked, because I was always, you know, if you go into a model home, you know, if you're looking at these nice homes in a model home, that like feels right to me. I mean, like there's nothing out on the counters, it's just, it's like, well, this, this is good, this is good, this is right. Janice likes to live in a home that where it looks like actually humans live there, you know, where there might be a, a newspaper and a pair of glasses on the nightstand. I don't know why you don't put it in the drawer, but, but uh, <laughs> and so, so anyway, I was pushing against that early in our marriage, and it was like trying to get her fixed, because again, I knew I was right, and my family did it this way, and so, were you raised in a barn? I mean, <laughs> what, you know, and so... <laughs> Now, she's a very clean person, okay, but she's just not obsessive, compulsive, <laughs> crazy person like I was. Little did I know at the time, and it took a few years for me just to work out in me, you know, little did I know that God was wanting to do something in me. It was like, Brent, I've given you this spontaneous life, enjoying life kind of person to help you relax and not have a heart attack by 40, you know, and just learn how to stop and smell the roses, and you're pushing against that. If I hadn't gotten that, if I hadn't gotten the right perspective, it would have been a poison that, would have, that it could have easily just killed and deteriorated our marriage. And we've seen that as marriage counselors now for 25 years, that those kinds of things just begin to poison relationships. 
But I was pushing against it instead of going, okay, God, what are you trying to do in me? Instead of trying to change her and get her fixed and make her be different, what is it you're trying to do in me? Now, yes, we had to learn how to resolve conflict and talk it through and blend and all that good stuff. And so over the years, we've come to understand that there's this principle that, um, um, that we have kind of called the 90-10 lie that we see that happens in marriages, it, see, it, we, it happens in our work, it happens in friendships, it happens in, yes, even how we look at our church. And the principle is that if you remember, if those of you that are married, if you remember those first few weeks of courtship, and you remember kind of that high, as a matter of fact, it literally is a high. Studies have shown the, the chemicals that go off in the brain during courtship, and it literally is similar to the drug speed. So truly, you're on drugs, okay, when you first fall in love. And uh, so those first few weeks, it's like, I have hit nirvana. I mean, I have found the mother load here. I have found everything that I've ever wanted in life. I've found 100% of what I've ever wanted, which cannot be true, by the way, okay, because this person is not God. There is no human being that can be 100% of everything you're looking for in a mate. The reality is you usually walk down the aisle with somebody that has about 80 or 90% of what you're looking for in a mate. And the challenge with that is that leaves 10 to 20% that they don't have. Now, as we grow and mature together, we might be able to get to 18% or 15% or, you know, 12 or 10. Uh, it's never going to be 100, though. But as, as we kind of begin to grow together, we're going to find out that, gosh, there's some things that I kind of wish I had in a mate that they don't have and they won't ever have. And then we start interacting with the world, and we start going, ooh, there's other people that have that, that 10%. Boy that, boy, that guy's got a job. Have you seen the house that they live in? You know? Or, wow, she, the way she cooks, or this, that, or the other. And if we're not careful, what can happen is our focus can begin to move. And instead of staying focused on the 80 or 90% that is this gift into our life, we focus now on that small percentage of things that we don't have and that we want and that we need. And have you ever noticed that even though it's just 10%, if you don't have it, it doesn't feel like 10% anymore? It feels like 50% or 80%. It's a much bigger, powerful thing that we are focused on. And what tends to happen is this, ha this affects all of our relationships, kind of on a continuum. On the lower end of the continuum, I just kind of get a bad attitude. I just notice that when they do something or don't do something, I just kind of get a little irritable and I get a little negative towards them, even if they don't say anything. You move up the continuum a little bit, and, uh, and now it's like I start saying things. I start saying critical or judgmental things or, or whatever to try to get them to change, kind of like I was doing in the beginning of our marriage, trying to get her to be different and change. And, and then you move, move up the continuum a little farther, and we see this over and over and over again in our culture. Uh, where people are going, I have to have that. I cannot live with just this because it, it looks, it, I, I have missed out on that. I'm going to go after that. And so they leave that marriage and they go after that person or they leave that job or they leave that church or they leave that whatever and, and go after that. And the interesting thing is what I found is that when people then go out there and find out that, yes, I got the 10%, but this 10% won't necessarily ever be what that 90% was. And that's why it's a lie. And it affects all of us. And we just have to realize it. We just have to recognize it and own it and, mm -hmm. and realize that we have a choice. What do we do about this? 
How do we keep unity then? What do we do about this tendency in our humanity to stay focused on, on the right thing? So we're going to look at the scripture, uh, Philippians 4.2. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. First of all, Paul is saying, make unity a priority. Work hard to have unity. In fact, guys, work together as a community so that these women can work together and have unity and have peace. Let's make this a priority to help them be in agreement. Now, agreement does not mean we're going to think exactly the same way. People are not going to totally understand you ever. <laughs> Give it up. But we can come to the point where we go, you know what, we may have a little bit of difference in this. We may think a little bit different about this. But I think we can land at a place where we can value each other and we can respect each other and we can link arms and work together in the Lord. That's what Paul's saying. Let's put aside those little differences and let's agree that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we can forge through this life together. Second, Paul is saying rejoice. That means celebrate in the Lord always. He actually, this refers to a public celebration. This is a God thing that is happening in our midst. This isn't just an idea. This is a God thing for us. We can rejoice in that. We can celebrate. We can shout out loud. Even though there are some struggles from time to time in the meshing, it's so exciting to be a part of what God's doing, to be a part of his movement, and to see the incredible things that are going to happen as a result. Third, Paul's saying, pray and petition with thanksgiving. The pagan culture that Paul was a part of at that particular time had numerous gods. And so people were always anxious to go, did I offend this god? Did I offend that god? Am I going to have terrible trouble that happens in my life because of this? You know, I'm sure there's a few people that had that thought when the earthquake was happening last night. Um, you know, so they were anxious all the time. And we have to remind ourselves and remind each other of who we serve. We serve a risen Savior that gave his life for us. We can have peace. We can relax in him because he's good, and he has only goodness for us in our lives. We can trust him. And so with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, thank you for all you have done for us, we're going to get peace. Whether the earth shakes, whether the financial situation collapses, we can have peace as we trust in him.
And finally, think on good things. Think on the good. Now, that doesn't mean, as we've said, it doesn't mean we don't ask questions. It doesn't, it, you know, we, we invite that. If you wonder, what they say, and what does this mean, and how's this working? Absolutely. Uh, we have had to negotiate things in our marriage. It uh, doesn't mean that we just focus on the 90, and all of a sudden the 10 doesn't bug us anymore. That, that's not going to happen. But we have to keep it in perspective. What am I choosing to focus on most? Am I coming back to, even though we may have to negotiate on this stuff that bugs us, how do we, do I constantly come back to, but this is who this person is. This is who these pe- this, the, my, my neighbor is. This is who my coworker is. This is what my church is about. Whatever that is, think on those. Think on the 90 and not the 10. Now, we realize that this operates opposite to what the media in our culture focuses on. All of those things that it's said to think about, that's not usually what we see on the nightly news, is it? Mostly in the nightly news, it's the unholy, the unjust, the impure, those of ill repute, vicious, and blameworthy. Some people, I tell some people as part of our therapeutic process, stop watching certain parts of the news. There's certain things you just shouldn't meditate on, certain focus on, because it'll just I have some people that listen to certain things on the way to work, and by the time they get to work, they are so spitting mad um, because it puts all their focus on those things that are bad and frustrating and, and, and of all of that. And so we have a choice on what we think about. Now, again, I'm not suggesting don't watch the news and don't be involved and, 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 and don't recognize that there's challenges and difficulties in the world. I'm not suggesting that. But what is it you mainly focus on in the midst of this? Are we, are we focused just mainly on the brokenness, or are we focused on the mender, the healer, the one that puts us back together? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, Paul is saying, or seen in me, put it into practice discipline of of practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Peace follows. Peace is the fruit. It's the byproduct of a mind that is focused on the right thing. So this morning, it's your choice. It's my choice. What are we going to focus on? In your marriage, in your school, your work, your friends, what are you going to focus on? And yes, even your church, as we start pulling ourselves together, what are we going to focus on? Um, it's our choice. We, we love you. We're committed to you. We want you to be able to walk in peace as we journey together. Good job. The sun will rise. The sun will rise, bringing life to the earth as it springs from the ground. The sun will rise, the sun will rise, won't you dry all your tears, lay your burden down, won't you dry all your tears, lay
You know, when I first started um, in ministry 30 years ago, uh, I used to get upset when people just wanted to do humanitarian kind of things where they wanted to help people that were poor, that kind of thing. I, I thought it was good, but I wanted to make sure we preached hard first and kind of thought that, um, that people that just did that kind of thing without making it, make them listen to you preach first was some sort of a compromise. Never forget reading Matthew 5 where Jesus said, this is how you're most like your father. And what he said was, is by that the father sends sunshine on the just and the unjust, that he sends rain on the just and the unjust. And he said, if, if there's not something in you that's reckless and just giving to people without any strings attached, that somehow there's this notion of common grace that has no, it's not up to us to respond or anything. It's just God just being lavish, reckless, incautious, giving like sunshine and rain. And Paul actually says in one place to the pagans, God has a testimony by the fact that he gave you harvests and rain and gave you all the good that you know. And some, some, what I think the scriptures are clear about is that common grace, that sort of reckless giving to people without condition, is a precursor to redemptive grace. That somehow because we love people recklessly like that, that it opens the door for us to tell them why our hearts are motivated by that. And it's when we made that connection that we began to say, uh, and people in the church, you've seen people talking about this, began to say, let's just be, let's move towards some things that are just plain giving, no strings attached. And that's what this event is about, that there's a number of them that we want to do through the course of the year. And this one is Turkey Blitz, where we contact DHS, we ask them to contact their 150 or so families, 175 families that are the most needy, and then they communicate with us that they have need. And we basically pull these baskets together you can see Colton, there's not a turkey in here, but he's got, it's a bunch of stuff in there, but we, <laughs> Vanna, come on forward. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, we put this together, we have a packing night, and uh, this morning we're going to take up an offering for that, uh, but David, why don't you tell us how else we get involved in this thing to let them know. So get your offerings ready, um, because we'll be passing the plate in just a minute. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a really exciting time for us at Sanctuary. Um, for those of you who have been a part of it, either at Pack Night um, or who have delivered turkeys, we want to thank you. And this year, we want to encourage you guys to get uh, involved again. For those of you who have never done it, I'm going to explain it a little bit. Mathis Brothers Furniture um, and uh, Brad Wessner, who is a member here at Sanctuary, um, they open up their warehouse for us on Wednesday, November 16th. And they also give us trucks to go pick up all this food because it's a lot of food. And so we ask everyone to come out who can come out. We have pizza on that night, which is Wednesday, November 16th. You don't have to sign up. Just bring out your family um, or friends or anyone who wants to come and help. And you come that night. You can eat some pizza and pack up these baskets. The baskets are going to families in need. Uh, we, we talk to DHS throughout the week, and they send us uh, people who are in need. If you know a family in need, you can contact us at... Uh, info at SanctuaryTulsa.com. So if you're like, well, I have a, a friend or someone that I know that is really going through a hard time, we want to be able to bless them. So it's not just a, a thing where if you know someone in need, you can't talk to them about us. Tell, tell us about them. Um, we do have a system in place, so we'll ask some questions about it, but we, we invite you to do that. Uh, Wednesday, November 16th, everyone's welcome to come. Then for Saturday, November 19th, which is the drop-off date, if you've never done that, it is my favorite thing because you get to go and actually meet the people. You deliver the turkeys, and people are like, why are you doing this? And you just say, just because. God loves you. 
And they go, what church do you go to? I'm going to come there on church on Sunday. Usually they say that. Um, and you know what? Even if they don't, we don't care. We just love that they're being blessed. So I encourage you, sign up your families. I'm signing up a car for some youth students. How it works is this Sunday and next Sunday, there are signups. Right as you walk out the lobby, you're going to see signups right there. And we're looking for drivers. We need 36 drivers. So that's a lot of drivers. So you can sign up for a team once you sign up. Uh, we'll have all the information that you need there, but you just essentially show up Saturday morning, 8.30. We've got bagels for you. Eat your bagels, and then you take your car, get those turkeys, and you pass them out. It's about five turkeys. It takes about, usually until about noon on that Saturday. So we encourage you guys to sign up today and next week for the drop-off. And then November 16th, you don't have to sign up. You can just come to Pack Night. Awesome. Well, let's get our offerings ready. Again, just write your checks out of Sanctuary. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to help people. Send some sunshine, send some rain, send some common grace out there. And God, we pray that as these families are touched, that just somehow they'll feel the smile of heaven, that it'll be a testimony to them. As we ask them if they need anything to pray about, God, and we pray for them, we ask you that miracles will be unleashed, that you'll help relieve some of the tension and the pain and the heartache that so many carry that are within our context. We thank you for your grace in this. Thank you for the giving hearts of your people. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Come on up. Pass these out. Amen. Thanks. How many appreciated the extra hour of sleep? Did you? Beautiful thing. Too bad they don't do that every week. You, know, you just get an extra hour every week. <laughs> it's not going to happen next week. You're back to the suffering. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and stand with us. You know, Lord, we uh, as a community, we open our hearts to you. And as a community, we ask you to, to move in this place and in our midst. We ask you to give us stories of your hand. Manifest yourself. Interesting, that word manifest in Latin literally means the dancing hand. God, we invite you to dance in our midst and to touch and to heal and to bless and to strengthen and encourage and forgive. We ask you, God, as a people, we need your heart and your hand in our midst. And then God, spill into the Tulsa area and spill into this state and spill into our country and spill into our world. We ask you that you be glorified. Precious God, help us be a part of your gesture of kindness and the story you're telling in the world. Let's lift our voices. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. All right, before you leave, why don't you turn in? Reach somebody, tell them how much you weigh, and you can be dismissed.
stand tall or running thin. I'm wearing thin. Oh, why we keep in score? Cause if you're not laughing, who is laughing now? I've been wondering if we start sinking, could we stand on? Time. We are the outside.